The House of Roll journeys far and wide to bring you exceptional quality kitchen and bath fixtures. We've discovered the world's best craftsmen and techniques. Using materials native to the region and tools accustomed to individual craftsmen, we strive for perfection every step of the way. With all of this, you'll see the details of your own story, the story of a life well-crafted. This is the story Craft tells. Welcome to the House of Roll. It is difficult to talk about suicide. It's a problem that might be more pervasive than you think. Every year we're losing over 47,000 people in this country to suicide. Globally, 40 sec every 40 seconds, someone dies by suicide. We're losing, um, it, it, suicide is the second leading cause of death for our youth. It's the 10th leading cause of death um, for, every, for every age group, so it's a leading cause of death. Um, when we talk those big numbers, the other huge number is every year over 180,000 adolescents are brought to emergency rooms for self-harm. And every day in this country, over 3,000 kids will attempt suicide. And those are numbers that we know are really underreported because they're only numbers that the kids um, wind up in an emergency room that are reported. Wendy Sefcik from Tawako knows the pain firsthand. We're a very, very typical family. Um, my husband and I have a great marriage. We had the three kids, the dogs, um, a very active lifestyle with three boys. And we never really thought about suicide or um, thought it would apply to our family at all. And then eight years ago, on December 1st, 2010, we lost our 16-year-old son, TJ, our middle son, to suicide. She was crushed, devastated. She didn't know there was a problem. TJ was a very outgoing, charismatic, intelligent, athletic boy. Um, the, of my three boys, he was the middle and the most sensitive. I used to always tease him and say he was, he was like the daughter I never had because he was the only one that would sit and talk with me and notice if I got my hair done. Um, he was a friend to everybody and um, seemed to be, you know, just a, a regular kid. But what we didn't realize is he had this inner struggle. He was, as I said, very, very sensitive, always. Um, always cared about the underdog, uh, would you know, try to help out anybody. And um, we didn't realize how deep those emotions went and how hard he, he tried to hide, hide and mask those feelings. He wanted everybody to think he was the kid that had all that. Even as a small child, TJ had a deep sense of concern and empathy for others, even strangers, one day while he was playing outside. In the distance, you could hear sirens, um, but nobody really paid attention. But there was TJ, and he had his hands in prayer, and he had his head down. And my girlfriend said, T, what are you doing? And he said, don't you hear the sirens? And she said, yeah. And he said, well, that means somebody's hurting or in trouble, so I'm praying for them. So that was the type of kid that he was, always, from the time he was a little boy. I think he was probably four or five at the time. So he was always like that, would always pick up on um, if somebody was having a rough time. I, you know, I always like to say uh, life was, was fun, but it was often chaotic. And he could sense when I was feeling overwhelmed, and he would just be right there with a little hug, crawl into my lap, and say, I love you, Mommy. Um, and then jump off when he realized everything was okay. But yes, he was always very in tune. A sensitive soul who looked out for others. After he died, we had so many 
kids come forward and share with us. Um, TJ had been there for them, and um, they were kids that maybe were sometimes the outliers, and they shared, you know, I didn't have friends, but then TJ pulled me into the group. And I'm getting goosebumps as I'm sharing this, because I, and I think that's him. This was who he was. He, he didn't care um, at, at that point if somebody was, was overweight and people made fun. He would make them feel special. I had one young woman who said, you know, I, I was getting bullied all the time because of my weight. And she said, TJ never saw my weight. He was somebody that saw who I am and who I am as a person, and he cared for me very deeply. And that, in tune, made other people see beyond my weight and who I was as a person. Wendy Sefcik couldn't sit idly by while others are suffering in silence. She decided to share TJ's story with the hope of saving people who might be contemplating suicide. Her program is called Remembering TJ, a story of teen depression and lessons in hope. There's often stigma associated with suicide, and people will say they were weak, they were cowardly, how could they do this to their, their family, to their friends? But it's actually the opposite when it comes to suicide. Very often these people are in such a deep, dark place that they actually think that their families will be better off without them. And um, that's something that's often often expressed. They feel very worthless and hopeless. So they're not doing it to their families. They often think they're doing it for their families. And we need people to understand that's, that's absolutely not true. There are other options. I think um, people who are struggling get to such a low point that they really cannot see there are other options. And we need people to understand that there are, there is help. Sefcik conducted research and carefully crafted her presentation using safe messaging. Some things you won't hear. Discussing method, you know, how people die. A lot of times people are curious, well, how did it happen? There's not really anything to learn from that. Um, so it's those type of things. We don't, we don't discuss that. It's not that we're, we're hiding it and it's the day of the Internet. Anybody can figure it out. But there's no way, reason for us to share that in his story. The things that we share are what, what, are, what were observable things that we noticed in our son that other parents... Other kids can notice in their friends, other parents can notice in their kids, so that at least it would get them to start a conversation. One of the things that we know is very often when someone's struggling, by just letting them know that there's a safe person that they can talk to and open up about their feelings without being judged um, or stigmatized or even horrified. If someone shares with you, yes, I, I want to die, I'm thinking of killing myself, if somebody reacts in horror, that person who's struggling is going to shut down. So we want to be able to explain to people that it's really important to have these very open and frank conversations with people and allow them a space to be able to convey whatever torment they may be feeling inside. TJ was in intense pain. His mood changed. He was uh, just a month before he died. He was finally diagnosed with depression. What we saw, though, was a really irritable kid really angry, um, which is not something that I ever 
equated with depression. So this was not a kid that was curled up in a ball in the corner and couldn't get out of bed. This was a 16-year-old young man who had always been really respectful and fun-loving and close to his family, starting to fight with his brothers. You know, if somebody would say something at the dinner table, he would explode. And we knew that was uncharacteristic and we wondered what you know what's up with you you know and what we did is we disciplined him you can't behave like that you can't talk like that to 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 me you can't treat your brothers like that um we didn't see it as a symptom of depression but with young men especially anger is often a symptom of depression and a way that they show pain and it does seem um for he was as i said a very very intelligent young man um, you would say, well, why couldn't he just say, you know, I'm not feeling good, Mom, I'm, I'm hurting. They're, they're just not able to articulate it very, very often. Sefcik explores the warning signs. So what we tell families to look out for are any changes in behavior. So if you have a kid that's typically very talkative and suddenly becomes very quiet, um, spending a lot of time alone in their room, that's a change. Notice it. If your kid by nature is very quiet um, and suddenly becomes, it's almost agitated, talking a lot, um, racing thoughts, that's something to notice. If you have a kid that is typically very outgoing and starts to withdraw in any way, one, one way might be in sports. One thing we saw with TJ was he loved sports, loved being a part of a team. And he started with with lacrosse. He he wasn't playing with as much zest. He didn't have as much passion. Even his coaches noticed it. And when we asked him about it, he said, I, "You know, I I don't know. I, I want to still play, but it's just not as much fun anymore." That's a huge red flag. Something to look out for. So, and that could be anything. If your kid is is a dancer or an artist, um, and suddenly they're not finding pleasure in those activities, music, it's something to notice. It's not something to get panicked about, one of the things we try to do is keep that level of fear down. I always say fear won't help you advocate, but it's something to notice and to start a conversation. She sees a connection between depression and the current opioid epidemic. Any type of substance use with young people is really a red flag. I know a lot of times, especially with alcohol use in teens, people dismiss it as, oh, it's a rite of passage. Everybody does it. But very often, especially kids that are starting to turn through these substances younger, that's actually a red flag that they're trying to self-medicate. They're trying to feel better. And I firmly believe that it's no accident that we're in the middle of an opioid epidemic um, because I do think there's a lot of kids that are really hurting. They're turning to these substances to feel better, and then unfortunately they're getting, they're getting hooked. It's very, very dangerous, and, and we're in trouble because I think a lot of kids are hurting emotionally. She believes parents need to do a better job of just listening. We don't do a good enough job when kids are very, very young from the time they're infants of letting kids feel what they feel and that it's okay. Sometimes you're going to feel bad. You're going to feel hurt. You're going to feel pain. And rather than when our young children say, you know, the example I like to use is if a child falls and, you know, skins their knee, I'd, I was the mom that was right there saying, oh, it's okay, honey, don't cry. And really what I should have been saying is, oh, that must really hurt. I can't change that, but I'm going to hold you through it. I'm going to help you through it. Don't judge. Validate feelings empathize. What I didn't realize is sometimes you can't make it better, 
but you just have to stand beside them. And I think that's an important message for parents to understand is we need to let our kids feel what they feel. If they are hurting or they are angry, um, they are in pain, rather than saying, oh, you know, it's okay, it'll get better. We just have to, we have to bear witness to it and let them feel it and, and work through it. If you sense there is something wrong with your child, seek help from a mental health professional. You want somebody who understands teens. Teens are very complex, um, and they're, it's often very difficult to get them to open up and talk. There are also many different modalities of therapy. All therapy isn't talk therapy. So it's, un, it's important to understand what type of therapy do you do um, and know that maybe one or the other will be better for your, for your children. Wendy Sefcik says Remembering TJ is there to help you along the journey. We now have spoken to over 30,000 people. We will go anywhere, um, whoever asks us. So we, we often are in schools, but we also do community events. We'll um, do parent programs. So we, our program is slightly different for parents than for kids. We've um, spoken to first responders. We often go to college campuses, and we will talk to um, groups of college students. So, yes, we will. our program is appropriate for middle school um, and up, and I think everybody can learn something from our story um, because we all um, care about somebody who's struggling with mental health issues. One in, four, one in five people in this country will deal with a mental health disorder in any given year. So everybody needs to hear this message. In Tawako, Sean Adams, WCBS News Radio 880.